On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown, we debate Adele's new look. We discuss the statements made by conference commissioners about playing football season without every school. We talk about how campuses must be open to students for college football games to be played, but that the definition of an open campus is rather flexible. We give y'all some updates on OU and OSU football. We talk about the NFL schedule release and what the first things we looked for were when the schedule came out while we were playing in the league. We wet the beak and talk some gambling, give you our winners and losers of the week, and finish with keeping it local and your Twitter questions. Make sure you and all your friends download the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a review. Go follow the podcast's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook page. Don't forget to check out the YouTube video of each episode. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on all of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. Beautiful Thursday, May 7th. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night, and we are still working through some things with the podcast, uh, trying to decide how often to have guests on. Let us know what you think. Uh, We're also going to try to keep the podcast closer to an hour or an hour and a half rather than two hours. There's probably a good analogy for that. The podcast has kind of been like old Adele, Uh, really good, but robust, I would say. We are trying to... Not that there's anything wrong with that. We are trying to trim it down. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Trying to trim it down a little bit and get it closer to, let's say, the new Adele, if that makes sense. Both versions... has been great, but it's just a little chunky, right? Both versions... Oh, so so you're saying we're going to roll in the deep uh, tonight. That, that's what you're saying. So here's my question. Has the whole world gone crazy? Like, for real? Yeah. What the hell's wrong yes, with everybody? This Adele, the thing, is yes. this Adele thing is <laughs> it's asinine, man. It's crazy. I, you know, I, I've opened. Just let it out, it, Dusty. Let I, it I, out. I, just, I don't understand. It's as if. All, all we look for now is something to bitch about. Everybody. My God. This woman, okay? This woman who's lost 100 pounds. We don't even know if she has any health issues. We don't know what's going on. She takes it upon herself to, for whatever reason, she's decided she wants some life changes, okay? She wanted to lose some weight. I thought that that was a good thing if we wanted to look after our health and our well-being. And all of a sudden, it's turned into a shit show of epic proportions. And I got to tell you, I've gone into the deep, Ted. I've gone into the deep with this one because why can't – it's not – just because she lost weight doesn't mean that 
She wasn't why didn't perfectly you, fine the way she was. Why didn't and, you and, love and her before, Dusty? That. Why didn't you I love her before? Her. You want to know how? Why you, are you, you fat know, shaming, Dusty? You, What's wrong you with know, you? You want to know how I know everyone loved her? Because she won 15 damn Grammys and an Oscar, okay? Okay, no one cared what Adele looked like. She has an amazing voice. She's a great performer. She and was no, she was super attractive when she was thicker. I was no I've doubt. always been attracted to Adele. Maybe it's the voice. I don't know, but the fact it's that just people more attracted are, now, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, she looks great. There's she nothing wrong amazing. with saying she looks and, great. I'm not going to feel bad it. for saying she looks great. I'm not going to feel bad either. And I just, so I can just speak from this because I've been, I was 310 pounds, damn it. Okay. I dropped to 230. I lost 80 pounds. Hell, do you want better than that? Okay. I can take you back to in the sixth grade, I was 210 and I lost 80 pounds then. Okay. And it's because I wasn't healthy. I didn't like the way I looked. And when, when is that a bad thing when we start to take stock in our health and well-being? And if we don't like what we see in the mirror and we want to feel better about ourselves, how's that a bad thing? Somebody please explain this to me. Please. It's I, fucking I can crazy. Explain it to you. I can explain it to you. So there is a group of people out there that's about this big, right, that get upset over something like this, like Adele losing weight and claim that she's not a good example for other people that are right. – um, you know, having problems, but, and then, and then some of your, your clickbait media, write The headline people are upset with Odell, uh, Adele, but there's not like a group of people. There's seven people. Uh, some anonymous guy on Twitter <laughs> said something and then like some, some news organization wants to write an article that people are, uh, firing back at Adele. No, there's not people firing back. There's one person somewhere that nobody cares about. And then uh, whatever clickbait organization writes the article and tries to inflame the whole situation. So I do think there's tons of morons running around out there, but my hope is that it's a smaller number than we fear. That's I, my hope. I, LA Times, hope LA right. Times, Adele weight loss backlash shows sexist standards. What? Exactly it. I, Adele's that's, that's, that's weight a loss is a double bind. Here's the problem, though, Ted. It's not seven people. It's like 70 different media outlets, and everybody's writing these headlines, and then people with blue check marks are going on and trying to validate it on social media, and it just reminds no. me social media at times is a terrible place, and I just, just – I'm right. choosing to step away. Dusty, both, Stepping away. both of us, we were big boys. Yeah. I mean, we were fat guys. We were. I have never felt offended when someone comes up to me now and says, hey, man, you look great. I don't go, are you saying I look shitty before? Right. I don't do that. That's, that, that would be a very odd reaction for me to have. I, I don't understand why if someone wants to work on themselves and better themselves, however they see fit, that people try to turn it into a negative somehow. It, it, you guys are right. This happens all the time, and it's not just weight loss. It's all kinds of other things, but I just don't understand why we can't just look at someone that wanted to lose weight and go, you know what? That's what they wanted to do, so they did it. Or why don't we say, good for you, Adele. Damn, you had a goal, you didn't like something, and you changed it. And it's like, maybe it's not just 
the way she looks. Maybe she didn't care that. Maybe she just wanted to feel better. Do you know how much better it felt when I lost 60, 70, oh 80 pounds? Do you know gosh. how much better my body felt? Do you know how much healthier I probably am today? I can get out and go run three miles. I couldn't do that when I was in the NFL. I'm just saying it, looks are part of it, and that's where everybody jumps to because, like Ted said, that's the tagline. That's the clickbait. It's almost as if they're trying to tell you, you she is wrong for trying to be a healthier person. Yeah, which is – That's which, a bad thing. That, I, what the yeah. hell is that? Yeah, becoming healthier isn't a bad thing. And I, I don't understand it now. You got me triggered already, now, I can, I can just, tell. I can tell there, bud. It's not, it's not bad to, to want to lose weight and want to be healthier and want to be more confident. Uh, you guys are right. But let me also add that it's also not wrong to tell someone what a good job they've done and that they look great. That's yeah, not wrong why, either. Why not compliment, compliment them? Is, clearly, clearly exactly. they worked hard. To lose the weight, there's nothing wrong with compliment. Anytime I see someone that has clearly lost weight, as someone that has gone through that, I always compliment them. Like, just do, hey, man, hey, you look great. Or, dang, you look great. Which, just, by the way. Which, which matters. From experience, I can tell you, it does feel good. One thing to avoid. If you're a woman and a guy has lost weight, don't go with the, oh, my gosh, you're so skinny. That. I, that did not make me feel better. I was like, I don't want to be skinny. I want to be fit. I want to look <laughs> like a hybrid between a fit quarterback and a swimmer. That's kind of the look I'm going for. So don't be like, oh, you my would want to be a quarterback. God, you disgust me. Of course me. I do. A swimmer? I'm coming for the quarterback swimmer look. Jeez. I, <sighs> Gabe, which, by the way, congratulations. You look great. You look, you look great. You look great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you, guys. I don't know how it's it. possible. You eat still more than anyone I know. It's unbelievable. How unhealthy in the too. World. Lots. Yeah, it's crazy. lots of uh, lots of cardio. Lots of walking. I go on a walk once you know, a day, sometimes twice. Do a you day. walk? Do you walk your hat, or does your hat walk you? How does that? Well, work? it's a little bit of both. The hat has a lot of power. So I, you've seen the pictures of the new walking hack. It's pretty substantial, but just, I, I think, I feel like everyone thinks that their opinion needs to be known when it comes to all this stuff. Just let people live their damn lives, please. Especially when it comes to their health and wellness, just let them live their lives. Let them and, do what they the, want. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and, and the last thing is just what you said. It's uh, what Teddy said is exactly right. It's okay to say, man, nice work. You look good. I, I mean, I can tell yeah. you, you've been, you've been putting in some, some time, effort, energy. Well done. What is that is not to say you were a complete fat ass before God, thank God you did that. That's not what you're saying. No. Clearly that person is trying to better themselves and it's okay to just acknowledge and say, man, you look great. Well done. Now, if it's, if it's a guy that's lost a bunch of weight and maybe he used to be a professional athlete, maybe hit him with the, hey, you look really fit. You look good. Don't say Man. you look skinny. Are, are you wasting away? Don't say stuff like that. It doesn't make said gentleman feel good. I'm just saying. I'm just, it's just a generic example I'm throwing out there. And also, any of the women out there listening, 
why can't you guys just compliment each other? Why does it always have to be a backhanded <laughs> compliment to the girl that lost oh the weight? I don't understand. Wow, did she just stop eating? Like, you can't just be like, hey, you look great. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. Look you guys both know what I'm talking about. That is, that is very much true. But oh, you, I just – Oh, you finally listened to me. <laughs> I just can't get over how much, Ted, I think you'll agree – how much Gabe looks like Michael Phelps. Gabe, have I told you lately how much you really uh, resemble uh, the multi-multi-time Olympian? You're looking was, very Phelps-ish. Now, I will take Phelps, clearly a very unique body shape, but I'm more after the, I believe his name was Jason Lezak. You guys remember that? Do you remember? The, it was the Michael Phelps Olympics. Do you remember... He was the guy that made the comeback in that relay. Yeah. The jacked dude. Like, we're talking, he looked good. That's more the swimmer body, I'm thinking. I'm going for the Jason Lezak. Yeah. Okay. Well, well keep working well, you know. because you're not quite there. I mean, you got to have goals, right? <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Let's move gotcha. on. Now that we, uh, we've talked about body image. We hit our and- swimming portion of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that's why hey, I'm here. sorry. When he said, I'm not going after skinny guy, I'm going after quarterback slash swimmer guy. He hey. threw me for a loop there, Ted. I, I did not see that coming. But it gives you a nice little visual. Like, oh, yeah, fit quarterback, swimmer. Okay, I see what he's going you, for. There but then you go for the jacked swimmer. That sounds like a linebacker to me. Just say you want to be a linebacker, damn it. Linebackers okay, are a man's heads. position. I would never want Jeez. to be a linebacker. Speaking of linebackers, how about that transition? Uh, we know why y'all are here, and that is here. You're here for some college football news and talk. And, guys, we got some really – encouraging news in my mind there is a great article uh, by Stuart Mandel and Andy Staples of The Athletic they talked to multiple power five conference commissioners and there were some really interesting quotes in there guys we've talked about how can college football happen will every team need to be involved What do campuses need to look like? Will students need to be present on campus? These are things we have all discussed. And there was quotes from some of the most powerful people in college athletics talking about those things. And I was really encouraged when I read about students on campus. Now, remember when the conference commissioners had that call with Vice President Pence, and it seemed like it was – they were drawing a line in the sand, right? Students will have to be on campus for football games to be played in the fall. There will have to be students on campus. Campus will have to be open. Well, it seems that the definition of an open campus is rather flexible. Because you've got quotes from John Swafford, Bob Bowlesby, Larry Scott, Greg Sankey, all saying, well, it doesn't mean that all the students need to be back. I think their thinking on this is shifting, guys. I think that slowly but surely, these conference commissioners and the leadership at these universities are realizing that 
they may have to make some concessions to make sure football gets played. And one of those concessions is that when it comes to conference play, if a team, if a school can't get okayed by the local or state government to get together and practice and play games, they're out. They're out. It's not an, hey, we're all in this together. If you can't go in the majority of of the fittest, Gabriel. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, Dusty. Uh, Yeah, and look, we're hearing this everywhere. James Franklin said it today uh, on his press conference, too. Um, You know, we heard Greg Sankey say that last week, and it just – it seems to be that's the thought process, is that these conferences are going to – they're going to branch off, and they're going to essentially police themselves, govern themselves. And within those conferences, um, if they're ready to go and other conferences aren't, they're going to go. And even as you just said, within those conferences, if there is teams that aren't ready to go, they still may be ready to go. And that just shows you to your point, Gabe. Um, and I think it's good. I'm fine with that, by the way. I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. If there is a majority of conferences or a conference and multiple power five conferences that feels comfortable to bring their athletes on that they can have a football season next year, I'm with them. I say, if you, if you think you can do it, Go ahead and go. Uh, but, man, this is definitely unprecedented times, and you can feel, to your point, Gabe, uh, they are starting to get uh, to places that they probably never thought they'd get just to ensure that we have college football coming up. I think it's going to be in the fall. I don't, I don't know. None of us know that, and we're all guessing. But I, the way things continue to be trending since we've started this podcast, every day I feel like, especially every week, I feel like there's momentum, and if you're reading signs, signs are pointing to uh, – I think there's a really good shot that football is played in the fall, Ted. Yeah, I'll tell you what's interesting. You know, uh, this is – a lot of this stuff is really political, right? Um, you know, these states may be in a position where – and we're trending that way ourselves and, and a bunch of other states around the country are. These states may be in a position to where – they are up and running, and there's a lot of stuff that's that's able to go. Are they completely 100% uh, right back to, to where they used to be? Maybe not. Maybe there's still some social distancing stuff going on. But these college campuses are some of the most politicized areas in the entire country. And you combine that aspect, um, you know, kind of the culture there on a lot of these campuses, you combine that with a sport where – a lot of people, let's just face it, think that the athletes are getting exploited. Um, you combine all these things together, it makes for a situation that can be very difficult for a college president, uh, an athletic director, for conferences. And, you know, we've hit on this before, uh, Dusty. I think you brought it up, uh, how important it is that the NFL is kind of plowing through with what they're doing because the co- college football just – politically cannot be the first sport that comes back in full capacity. They just can't do it. So uh, I do think it's interesting because, you know, some colleges may be, you know, may be held back by the state government with, with where they're at currently in, in bouncing back from, from the coronavirus stuff, but they may also be held hostage by some of the, the thinking there on their college campuses. So um, I, I think setting a, um, 
at least a dialogue out there that we're prepared to move on with without people instead of a couple of activist um, colleges or universities trying to slow the whole thing down. I think that's a, that's a really important step. I, I really think it is. And listen, whenever you feel like maybe everyone's going to move on without you, that'll start changing your tune quite a bit with about how you're speaking about things coming down in the fall. Also very interesting that all this positive news, you know, whether it's from universities or conference commissioners, starts coming out when enrollment deadlines are starting to cr- come near. I'm not, sh- I'm not quite sure that's a coincidence. Let's not forget the business aspect to this entire thing. But guys, uh, I was able to talk to Jamie Pollard today, uh, the athletic director at Iowa State, and they already have student athletes on campus. Right now, they've got 25 student athletes that are being allowed to access the training room to rehab injuries. And Iowa State is using this to develop protocols in a system to prepare themselves for when all the student athletes come back. I thought that that was tremendous. I I thought that that was very proactive of Jamie Pollard and the leadership there at Iowa State. And then he told me something that was really interesting. They're planning June 1st to have their athletic department staff back in the office, still doing social distancing. He made it clear that July 1st is when they are targeting to have football players come back to campus. Not all the football players, though. He mentioned maybe they'll do it in a couple different flights. Maybe they'll do it in phases. Maybe on July 1st, he mentioned that they could bring in the two deep, the veteran guys, and then slowly phase guys in with testing protocols, educating all these guys on what they need to do to be as safe as possible. And they were hoping to have every football player back by July 15th. And remember, we talked about with the oversight committee's six-week practice plan that if they're back by mid-July, boys, we're kicking off on time. And this stuff keeps adding up. You're right. It seems like this keeps building more and more momentum to football season happening on time. Let's go. I'll tell you one thing that's interesting. You know, all the talk about having kids back on campus in the fall, um, I just want to mention that like we talk about that in the scope of college football, right? But they're also under a ton of pressure to have that happen. Anyways, imagine the fallout nationwide if higher education, uh, two semesters in a row, I guess a semester and a half plus summer courses, people are able to realize, man, you know, this, uh, this on-campus stuff sure is expensive whenever we can get the same thing online. Uh, parking, housing, lab fees, uh, library fees, all this stuff that really parking adds up. Tickets. Parking tickets. Oh, I mean, my gosh. The revenue stream that we're talking about across the country for in-person college education is at a tipping point. I mean – People, uh, you know, I've talked to some people at OU that already expect a 20% drop in tuition coming this fall. 
just based on that principle alone that, well, if I'm going to go online, why would I pay all this money to do it at OU whenever I can do it somewhere else? So they're fighting a couple of different battles here. Obviously, college football is huge, and being on campus uh, for the fall is massive for college football, but just the, the business model of higher education is also at a very critical juncture. There's no doubt. It's a great point you make there, Ted. Um, back to Iowa State and Jamie Pollard's. That, to me, you got to have boots on the ground before you can start walking the right direction. And they got boots on the ground. I think that were similar things are going on all over. I mean, I believe Oklahoma, though they have serious protocols, and I think it's very few people in the building at a time, I think that they have athletes currently – that are coming in too. So I think that's a great way to establish protocols uh, and work your way through this properly. So good on Iowa state. And I, I, I think July 15th to your, to that date, Gabe, I've heard that same date um, for Alabama. Uh, I've heard not the exact date, but that time frame uh, potentially here at Oak. I, I think that that's going to be the date that a lot of people point at as and I think different places are going to bring them in in different ways. Like I'm sure everybody's going to kind of have their plan as to how they feel they want to reintegrate these student athletes. But I think that it's looking more and more like July 15th is, is potentially, hopefully, that date that, that deadline, so to speak, that people are trying to hit. Yeah. I'm I'd just... imagine we have our, our coaches are going to be getting back soon. on campus pretty soon, too. I'd soon. say – Within two weeks, they'll probably be up there starting to get yep. to work in the in the facility. Yeah, yep. I'm I'm just so interested to see how coronavirus tests will affect all of this, and I'm also really interested to see how flexible these universities and these athletic directors are going to be when it comes to students being on campus. Is it going to be a certain percentage? Of students, because I I don't think it's realistic to think that the entire student body is going to return. Maybe it does. I hope I'm wrong, but is there some sort of threshold or benchmark to where it is acceptable to have all the football players back when you're only having what 10 percent of the student body or something like that? I, I'm very interested to see how that whole situation develops. Now, when it comes to some schools maybe not being able to play. Guys, sign me up for that chaos. I would love it. I mean, you're talking – As long as it's no one on our schedule. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I still would like to go watch OU play Army. I, I really would like to do that. So if this whole thing could just go away, that would be great. That's on my 30th birthday, by the way, guys. You're not even oh, 30 yet? I am not. A big ripe, a ripe 29. But, no wonder you like in sync. It's you're primed for that. It's perfect. But it it's going to be interesting. Or was to see. it Backstreet Boys? I'm sorry, I can't it's ever. Both, Dusty. I can't both, ever. Both were I, great. I can't ever remember. Hey, here's something I have on this, and it's on the rundown. So I'm going to go to it. We kind of skipped over it. Fans in the stands. Okay. And, and, and you wrote here, Gabe. Do we need fans in the stands? And it, I, what I think is going to be fascinating is if they have to make that choice. And I don't know if they do or they don't. That's, that's down the ways. But I, I know that I've heard a lot of people say, and we know especially at bigger schools, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, big stadiums, pack it in every week. You know, that gate is just so 
integral into their ability to generate revenue. And so I've heard people kind of intimate that, well, even if they're ready to go, if you couldn't have fans in the stands, they'd essentially punt the season to the spring. Um, you know, again, I don't know if that's factual. I just – I see way – I hope that's not the case. I'll just say this, is if they are able to play football in the fall, if it's safe, if they get the clear, and whether that's the NCAA, if that's Division One football, or if that's just certain conferences that have said, you know what, we feel good about this, we're going to go. If there are, are is football in college that's able to be played, I think that they should play it. The only way I think spring football is a viable solution to this unbelievably complex problem is if there's no way they can play. Because I, I just think that punting to the spring, I think it could present so many uh, problems, so many issues that they're not even foreseeing that then you not only have a shit season in the spring, you now jeopardize the next season in the fall. So I don't know if we get to that point, but if we do, I sure hope that they elect to go ahead and play football this fall. If we get to that point, college football is going to lose a bunch of the best players, right? They're all going to hop in the supplemental draft, and I wouldn't blame them. I mean, just think of that scenario if it plays out, guys. All of a sudden, hey, let's, something goes wrong. The season gets pushed to the spring. Is a guy like Creed Humphrey, who was torn between leaving and coming back, there's no way he's going to stay. I mean, you talk about a guy like Trevor Lawrence. There's no way he's going to stay. Chuba I mean, Hubbard. Those guys are – Chuba Hubbard. Wallace. They're going to be gone, and I wouldn't blame them. You can't wait around for the spring, especially – The NFL's unlikely. not waiting around for anybody. <laughs> no doubt. It, I mean, it'd honestly be like playing last season without this year's draft. You know, just just imagine that. Um well, I, I guess there's a couple of guys that are different, like a Joe Burrow would be different because leading into the season, no one expected him to do what he did. But, I mean, your superstars would, would all be gone and you'd have a, a watered-down roster. I'll tell you guys, I mean, honestly, the only way we don't play college football in the fall and the only way we don't play college football in the fall in front of stands is politics. I mean, I, I, that's, that's just the only thing. I mean, that's the only thing. Now, politics is a, a very strong force, right? And it, and it forces a bunch of people's hands. But we're in May. Oklahoma, for example, and I know other places have it, have it better and have it worse, but we've got somewhere fluctuating between 900 and 1,100 active cases of, of coronavirus in the entire state. And I just – we're talking about – this is May, right? We're talking about something that's going to be months in advance. I mean, is it, is it really realistic to, to cancel a season based off of you've got three or 400 active cases of a, of a virus? I mean, is that really – is that what we're really talking about here? And I don't want to try to predict the future, but can't you see it coming – to a point where they say, hey, if you're in the high-risk category, don't come. But I wish yes. they would do it if now. You, it makes so much more sense but than if you come, 330 million people. Uh, you, you print something on the back of the ticket. I am not a lawyer. I'm certainly not well-versed in liability. But 
I assume there's a way you can put something on the back of the ticket where it says, hey, if you come to the game and as a result of it, somehow you end up getting coronavirus, the school is not liable. I assume there's a way to do that. You and could I think, never prove that you got it from the stadium anyways. Right. Um, here's the other thing that I hear. They're not going to play sports in front of fans until there's a vaccine. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's say that there's Shut a vaccine. Shut it down. Right? Shut it I down. I mean, who's to say that if there's a vaccine that 100% of the population gets it that day? I mean, I'll tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't in any big rush to go nope. inject a vaccine that was hurried through a bunch of stages for a virus of people in our demographic right now has a 99.98% survivability. So, all right, there's a vaccine, but 10% of the people have gotten it. So it's all of a sudden it's just okay to open up the stadium or are they going to sit there and make you prove that you've been vaccinated for the, for the virus before you go into a stadium? I mean, that, that whole scenario makes no sense at all to me. But it's the one you hear most often repeated is you're not going to play sports in front of fans until there's a vaccine. Yeah, this, this whole thing, boys, it's, it's going to be a wild spring. And I, I really can't wait to see how the fall ends up taking shape. But let's get to some local college football news. Teddy, I know you're a big fan of this kid, but OU gets a commitment from Danny Stutzman, linebacker out of Florida. What do you like about that guy? Well, I think there's quite a bit to like. You know, he's fairly off the radar. He's a three-star kid. Um, he's tall. He's close to 6'3", listed at like 212 pounds, and he's put on a lot of weight over the last year, but Kid can run pretty good. Um, he's not he's he's not what you would call just an absolute burner. He's like a low four six guy. Um, but his numbers have improved every single year. He's gotten stronger every year, he's gotten faster every year, he's put on more weight every year, and all of a sudden he's kind of showing up on the radar and you look at his film, incredibly aggressive, uh, plays really hard, loves contact. Um, he, he comes from a, a, a background, his dad's an athlete, his mom's an athlete, his sister's an athlete. Uh, they're from the Texas area, so doesn't really have any ties there to Florida where he is now. Um, I, I, think he's, I think he's got a really high ceiling. Now, as we all know, there's no guarantees, right? Um, you can look at a kid, like his film, like, like what he's done, like his body size, like all of those intangibles, and you get him on campus and you can know right away, well, this kid don't have it. But uh, a lot of the things you see from him, you really like. He can, he's a sideline to sideline kid. Seems to be really smart, really driven. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's a really good get right now. And he's a three-star. By the time he signs, if he signs in, the, in December, there is no doubt, 100%, he'll be a four-star inside backer. And some really exciting news also for Oklahoma. Caleb Williams, five-star quarterback out of the D.C. area, announces his final three. And really, I think it's a final two with LSU accepting a quarterback commit. So it's down to Maryland and Oklahoma. Now, I, I know Mike Loxley has a good reputation and he's a good coach, but Dusty, you got to go to Oklahoma if you want to play quarterback <laughs> right now, right? Lincoln Riley's the QB whisperer. 
if I'm a quarterback, there's no place I could think of that I'd rather go to get me ready to be successful at the college level and to teach me what the next level coaches want too. Because that's the reality, right? I mean, this dude's turned, I mean, not water into wine, but damn near. I mean, two number one overall selections and a guy that most people thought couldn't play quarterback goes in the second round. I mean, Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is Seltzer. that good? Yeah. And, here's, and here's the other thing is he, he's also – he's going to coach you, right? Like, he's not a head coach that just oversees things or even a head coach that's just the offensive coordinator. No, 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 no. This dude is still so young, still hungry, and that position specifically, how much he cares about it, he still coaches his quarterbacks. How many head coaches out there – are three different coaches in one, a position coach, a coordinator, and a head coach. There is no doubt. If I'm a quarterback, Oklahoma is the ideal situation and the place to go. And as much as anything, it's because of that too, Lincoln Riley. And I will say this, though. I had a Maryland game this year, and Mike Loxley is an impressive dude, and he has deep, deep-rooted ties in the DMV area in those high schools. That That is his you say deep backyard. <laughs> well, maybe deep, that. Deep Under Armour pockets. <laughs> maybe that. But he he knows – I mean, he knows that area, and he is very well-versed. So I can't say it's just some slam dunk for Oklahoma, but if the kid wants to be taught how to play quarterback at the highest level, you know what the answer is. Yeah, and it's – Two things. R- real quick, Gabe. Uh, first thing on, on Lincoln, I, I think one of the added benefits, and, and just to add on to what Dusty said there, like if you say LSU, right, um, last year LSU and what they had in their passing game with, with Joe Brady, right, if you are a, a young kid coming out of school and you're, you really like an a offensive coordinator, well, if he's really good, there's a really good chance he's not going to be there, right? Lincoln right. Riley, I mean – now that the, the Dallas Cowboys thing has been really locked down and, and that's kind of done with, you know Lincoln Riley's not going anywhere. He's going to be calling the plays for a long time at Oklahoma. Here's the second thing. Um, let's talk about that situation where we play football in the spring and the Williams kid is a early enrollee. Like, I don't know how that works and how that eligibility happens, but we would finally have a real quarterback battle on our hands, wouldn't Ooh. we? I like, I like what you're saying there. And Rattler that adds, Williams. And that <laughs> adds to what I was saying, that football in the spring is a nightmare scenario with landmines and hurdles that they're not even thinking about. So you, just yet another perfect example of why spring football only – should be even thought about as a last case scenario. Yeah. Can you imagine playing a uh, a high school game in early December and then playing a college game in January? <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. I won the job. That that would be very very impressive if Caleb Williams could come to Norman and do that. Now we'll we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm sure that Lincoln Riley would be very excited to teach him that little secret language that he has with his quarterbacks, which is still one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. They can talk to each other with signals. Uh, they actually practice it. It's, I mean, it's completely bizarre. You, you want to know, I'm sure you guys have seen this, but you want to know uh, 
I hope this is okay. I'm going to take some, take them behind the curtain a little bit at practice after they do team Lincoln takes his quarterbacks over and they watch film right there during training camp. Oh yeah. Right there. He, they had I'm it not set up at about, the bowl game like that. It's I, I have never, I mean, tech, I love technology. I mean, Kim said it best. It is awesome, but do you utilize it? I thought that was incredible. And I kind of, you know, it's because it's fresh, right? It's right then. So it's not later. What were you thinking? It's immediate. What were you thinking here? What did you see here? That's next level shit, dude. I had never seen that before. Sure. But that's that's the type of stuff that you get when you're when you're messing with the quarterback whisperer. And when your head coach slash quarterback coach slash offense coordinator <laughs> he is do a whatever genius. he wants, <laughs> and he does whatever he wants. Uh, one more piece of local college football news. Uh, Congratulations to Chuba Hubbard. Of course, everyone knows Oklahoma State running back. He wins the Cornish Trophy for the best Canadian player in all of in all of college football. He actually wins it over Neville Gallimore and Eamon Ogbong Bamiga, who were both finalists. So turns out we have some really good football playing Canadians. You're damn right, pipeline. Hey, I guess it's as good as any, right? Hey, there's been some players come out of Canada. They're few and far between, but not bad. There's eh? been some dudes. Yeah. Dusty, who I, was that guy you played with in Chicago from uh, the Izzy? Israel Adonage from Manitoba. Freak. Freak. Yeah. And that dude was an absolute dude. freak. Gabe, we had to block this guy. Uh, he was on their kickoff coverage team. Oh, no. <laughs> he was like <laughs> six foot five, 295. Six, six. <laughs> Uh, I mean, just gigantic, running faster than anyone else on the coverage team, uh, blowing up kickoffs. It was insane. That's he had one of those stride. guys. That, that that's one of those guys that in warmups, you know that you're supposed to block him when you're in the special teams meetings the week before. That's when you you go up to him during pregame warmups. You go, hey man, like. Let's let's make a deal. What do you want? What do you want? What do you really want? Because I don't I don't want to have to deal with this today. There's no doubt. And he was like Ted said a freak. So he he barely played in college, and you know it's just not great football in Canada. And he makes the Cleveland Browns. Like he winds up in a workout. He makes the Browns, and he was like three twenty Ted when he came in the league. If you Google him his rookie year. He was like, I mean, he was playing nose tackle. And by the end, he's a defensive end. He got to like 275. And like Ted said, looked probably 280, 285, sprinting down at about a 4-6 on kickoff team. And then he became a pretty good defensive end. He damn near played 10 years, I think, in Chicago. So put together um, a pretty nice career. As we were talking about undrafted free agents, yet another one uh, that fits that bill. But congratulations to Chuba Hubbard. The Canadian Cowboy, I think, um, all due respect to, to Neville and, and Eamon, I think uh, that's a pretty easy decision. You go for over two grand uh, last season. Uh, I think you've earned that um, Cornish trophy. But I got to be honest, there better have been a Cornish hen that came with that trophy. I'm pissed. <laughs> I, I would assume there's something. What, what, come, what else does it come with? A hockey puck, some maple know. syrup, a Mountie hat. What, what are the most stereotypical – Canadian things. A loony and a toonie. There you go. And what some about, blue. What about um, denim? <laughs> a denim just, tuxedo. Lot, lots, <laughs> the, just a lot of denim. 
That's yeah. actually what you, you have to a, wear uh, to accept the award. <laughs> That's correct. You, you get an ice fishing drill. <laughs> Uh, Canada actually beautiful in the summer. Been a couple times. Big fan. Highly recommend well, it. It's, okay. It's a, I mean, about as pretty as it gets for that, what, six weeks right oh there in the, in the middle of the year. <laughs> that six weeks. Sounds like Oklahoma. So what, Gabe, when you guys aren't in Hawaii, what do you spend some time up in Nova Scotia? I mean, Jesus. Whistler, Banff, both. <laughs> Ooh, awesome. Whistler. BC. Really nice, man. But, um, boys, tonight, everyone very excited. The National Football League schedule will be released. Now, the teams can release it 30 minutes before the league, which makes no fucking sense, but whatever. So we'll have it. It sounds like, I think, 7.30 Eastern. Uh, one thing we know, not going to be inter- – no international games, so no Mexico City game, no London games. Those all got nicks with what's going on no with No one's mad about that in the players' world, oh. I promise you. All the players, as, as a guy that went and played in a London game, do not recommend it. I do not recommend it. it we had a, we, maybe it's because we got drunk the entire week. There's, there's a whole different story there. But it, I would rather just play on the road than in London, even though it was a cool trip. But I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if there's any sort of coronavirus effect when it comes to the NFL schedule. There's been several things discussed. You know, how can they protect themselves in case the league year does get pushed back a little bit and maybe they have to start a little later if there's some sort of delay. Uh, One of the ideas that's been floated out there is you schedule all the non-conference games at the start of the year just in case. So if you've got to cancel some games or cut some games, then you're not canceling division games or even – games within your conference uh, that have playoff implications. So uh, I'm really interested to see what it looks like. But, guys, going back to the playing days, we all got excited when the schedule would come out when we were playing in the league. What were the first things you looked for? Because every guy's different. Every guy's different. Some guys are the bye week. Some guys are cold-weather games. Some guys are rivalry games or divisional games. What did you look for when the schedule dropped, Dusty? Well, you, first of all, you know already like who you're playing, right? right. And you just don't know when it's going to transpire. Uh, I think you always look for when the bye week is. I think that's the first thing. Uh, you look at the bye. Book that trip. Uh, I, I think uh, divisional games would be right there. That was always the focus in Chicago. Got to win your division, so where those are. Uh, you know, and I would say then probably just, you know, primetime, big time games. Um, and to be completely honest, I don't ever remember spending much time. I'm not saying no time, but very little time I think was put on. I've spent, uh, an incremental amount more of time in this line of work than I did was actually playing it, worrying about the schedule. I'll tell you, and this is a little bit of video. There's one thing I looked for on the schedule. Only thing I looked for, only thing I cared about is this. Where is that on the schedule? Okay? That's all that matters, man. When you're playing in the uh, NFC North. Green Bay. When are you going to Green Bay? Okay? And the one year I didn't look at it is the one year I didn't even know or even think about it or care. It was my rookie year, and it was the last game of the season. 
Oh, oh my god! Oh my gosh, that is. I'm gonna tell you what. Green Bay is. Minnesota wasn't so bad because you were in the dome. But if you had to go outside, oh my gosh, that place is next level cold. Chicago can get cold, but Ted is right. Green Bay is. Uh, it's crazy cold. We played there. I don't remember what year it would have been, but it was like a December game. We not only got our teeth kicked in, but it was like 25 degrees with a wind chill, wind howling. It was miserable. And to add, to make it all things just absolutely awful, Aaron Rodgers, they had Ryan Grant, and they would run uh, lead zone. And I'm nose, so it's coming. I mean, I'm getting the double right at me all game. And they get me opened up, and this little bastard Scott Wells would scoop me. So not only did I get my ass blocked off and get scooped all day, and they were running it, getting that A-gap to stretch, and just hit that son of a bitch downhill. But then we're on the goal line late. And this was before, like, RPOs and that bastard Aaron Rodgers, right? He comes up, and he just calls the smoke. And so he comes up. I think it's like Driver or one of the guys over here. And he just comes up. And he throws it, and I see him step up and throw it, so I just give up. It's on the one-yard line. And these bastards, they bury my ass seven yards deep in the end zone. The lowest like point a great game for of you, my bro. football playing career. And the worst part of it was on Monday, we had to watch that shit. And I got the, and the defensive meeting room and the red dots on me and Lovey Smith in his sweet, innocent voice, Dusty. Is that what we want? And I just wanted to find a <laughs> hole in the wall and crawl out of that room. So that's my thoughts on Green Bay, Wisconsin, and the bitter cold. It sucks. I, it's horrible. I, and go ahead. Greg. I've never, I never played at Green Bay. That's that's oh, one. And when I was in Detroit, they had already played because I didn't get to Detroit towards the end of the year. I think I was there the last five weeks or so of the season, and they had already played the Packers twice. I did have to go to Soldier Field and play the Bears in late December. I do not recommend that. It was snowing. It was fucking awful. A couple of real quick things. Um, so, like I said, my rookie year, it was the last game of the season. It was horribly cold. It was, I mean, I don't even know what the temperature was. It doesn't matter. The wind was blowing like 40 miles an hour. It was a night game. It was god-awful. And my linebacker coach – my rookie year, he coached me one year, was psychotic. I mean, <laughs> psychotic. And here's what's funny. It's Kenneth Murray's linebacker coach in, uh, with the Chargers. Oh, no. Uh, Richard Smith. Uh, maybe he's calmed down. This is a long time ago. But Does he go by so, Dick or Richard? Rich. Okay. But, um, Dick Smith kind of sounds better. Go ahead. But, but he acts like the first. He's not um, a blacksmith. He's a Dick Smith. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, he, he's psychotic, and we're, we come, like, whenever we're getting into the locker room, we just show up there. Uh, everyone's just kind of getting their stuff settled by their, their lockers. And Rich comes in, and he gets the linebackers together, and he's like, I don't want any one of you MFers wearing sleeves out onto that field. And everyone's just kind of laughing and whatever. So everyone gets dressed. We get ready. We go out, and I don't, I don't even like looking at anyone. We could jog out on the field. I'm the only one uh, not wearing sleeves, okay? I'm the only – all the other linebackers wore their sleeves out there, and I don't. And I got to tell you, man, I, it was like someone was holding a welding <laughs> torch to my arms the entire game. And 
the only thing, and here's here's a little behind the scenes. In Green Bay, they bring out to your sideline and in your locker room, they bring out this hot chicken broth. Okay. And it's like drinking the chicken noodle soup. It's the best thing in the world. And ever, they do it on purpose. ever. Ever. It's so cold and that <laughs> is so hot. It's all you can think about the entire game. Just give me matter. the damn broth. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's a tie ball game. All you're thinking of is out there, <laughs> snap it, beat us, whatever. I want some more of that, that chicken broth. It's unbelievable. Scalding hot, too, by the way. When, yeah. We'll burn we your play, mouth, but it doesn't matter. When we played at Soldier Field that year, I think that was 2015 into 2015, Lakin Tomlinson – was the rookies now with the 49ers. He's gotten a lot better. He's a really good player now. But he was a rookie on that Detroit team, and we made him go that week to a dive shop and buy us all scuba gear for the game. <laughs> so we were Smart. all wearing scuba diving gear underneath our pads. We just had the sleeves cut off because the stupid unwritten rule for offensive linemen, you can't wear sleeves. It is what it is. But we were – I was warm as hell. I was wearing a full scuba outfit underneath Keep that pads. core warm. Oh, yeah. I felt Love great. I, I feel like you're That's disgusted one with I me right at, now, though. Dusty. Why are I you can. looking at me so judgmentally? Uh, I, I, I'm not surprised by anything of what you're saying. Look, if you're a lineman, you don't wear shit, okay? Let's buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> All right? I mean, come on. I mean, what? I I don't know. We. I just. There's wore nothing a wrong. This is top. This is such a crop top. This is such I mean, a classic old man line. Let's buckle up, or we could just be warm and play better. You can do whatever suits you. I, I wasn't you playing. Let, let, let me I was just, just tell you. Standing. Okay, I hear what you're saying, but let me just tell you this. I wish, Gabe. I wish I could see you walk in to the Chicago Bears locker room and look Olin Krutz in the eye and tell him, that's stupid. I'm just going to throw on some sleeves, and I'm going to go out there and stay warm. He would have kicked your ass. I wasn't wearing sleeves. The sleeves were cut off. There was no (laughs) sleeves involved. I'm just saying, any of that. Olin Krutz is a scary dude. He came and sat in the meeting room with us in Cleveland. That's one intimidating guy. He is, whew, boy. One of the scariest humans I've encountered. Oh, my goodness. It is not an act either. No. 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 All right, boys. uh, Let's get to some of our segments to finish this thing up. It's Thursday. So, you know, we have to wet the beak, Dusty, your favorite uh, little sports gambling. Speaking of the NFL schedule, I want you guys, if you had to put money on a team, Kansas City Chiefs are clearly going to be playing opening night, which is usually a Thursday night when it comes to the NFL. They'll raise the banner for the Super Bowl. I don't know if it'll be ring night. Probably not. But who do you think the Chiefs are going to get? If you had to put money on a team, who do they get on opening night? They've got the Patriots. It's a layup, man. It's a layup. To visit Arrowhead next year. And they have the NFC South on their schedule. I believe Carolina and Atlanta both who have else to come is, uh, to Kansas City. Okay, so those Dutch who's coming there? Okay. I believe so. so. Okay, I you was going to say. the same thing. Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, Tampa I was Bay like, this is, Orleans, this is right? a done deal. Like, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. But obviously, if that game's in Tampa, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, 
Well, that kind of spoils my plot. I thought we would definitely see Tom Brady the first chance we could possibly get. Um, so I don't know, Ted. I, I guess I'm, I'm a little flummoxed at this point because there's nothing I can look at uh, that would get me as excited as, as TB12 in his new uniform. So uh, the NFL needs to figure out how to fix this and make that game happen would be my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe th- that's going to be one of those. Yeah, due to the uh, coronavirus, there's a discrepancy here in the schedule. <laughs> We're going to have Tampa Bay in Kansas City to start things can, off. Because, I mean, could you imagine the first game out of the gate? That would be that would be really like if things progress the way they're supposed to. That would be the first regular season sporting event in front of fans, uh, unless like unless Major League Baseball is playing in front of fans at that point, but. That would be the biggest ratings maybe the NFL's ever had for a regular season game. That's why I, I would like to see him get the Texans. I mean, you talk about Patrick yeah. Mahomes and Deshaun Watson going at it on opening night. If I had to put money on a team, I'd put it on the Houston Texans. J.J. Watt will be back. So you've got the name recognition. Now, I still can't believe that Bill O'Brien got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. I, I I just still can't fathom that, but at least that would have some star power. And when you look at the quarterback position, that that'd be a hell of a headline game for an opener. In my opinion, I got to tell you though, I would say Pats if I had to put money on it, because even though there's no TB 12, it's Bill Belichick. And as much as everybody wants to know what's Tom going to do in Tampa, everybody wants to know is Bill Belichick. What can he do without Tom Brady? Because as much as I think Bill Belichick's the greatest coach, ever coach in the NFL the reality is without Tom Brady he's pretty average to below average so I think that that's a real question I think he wants to prove it to everybody though Jared Stidham is not the sizzle of Deshaun Watson Bill Belichick is one of the biggest names and icons in the history of the sport and this is the first time we'll see him in two decades without Tom Brady so I'd say New England would be my call I mean, um, imagine if – and a lot of people have said that the ship has sailed and it's not going to happen, but imagine if Cameron Newton was uh, playing for New England and you have Cam Newton Ooh. with the New England Patriots going out to Can- – first first time playing for the Patriots in the regular season going out to play uh, against Patty Mahomes. Re-energized, ready to prove Sign the league wrong. me up. So quick story time here. I won't make it long, but I had the um, the pleasure of calling that Pats Chiefs game last year in Foxborough for ESPN Radio. Um, by the way, shout out to Gillette Stadium. As much as anybody that hates the Patriots, that's fine. They have the best radio booth in the business. I was right next door to Romo. And you typically, said you weren't going to make this story long. They treat radio people like the scum of the earth. They stick you up in the worst spots you'll find anywhere. But that was pretty sweet to watch Patty Mahomes go in there and uh, take down Tommy Terrific. So well, I'd dude, like to see If Pat you're ever going again. back to New England and you need like a spotter or something, take me with you. I've always, you guys, I always forget you're a Patriots fan, Teddy. It's so weird. It's just weird. It is you're weird. from Oklahoma. I wish How I are you a Patriots fan? It. Hey, it I'm not going to judge he's, you. He's not a Patriots fan. Don't let him fool you. If they're 6-10 and 10 this year, <laughs> he's not going to care. He's not invested. He's going to go. I don't think that's true. I'm, I'm going uh, to be on the, uh, the, the Trevor Lawrence train 
Right. Oh, just tank for tanking Trevor. for Trevor. Okay. Drive. All right, okay. boys. Uh, let, let's wet wet the beak a little bit with some UFC 249. Now, full disclosure, I'm not a big UFC guy. Um, I don't watch it a ton, but this is something that I think a lot of people are actually going to bet on this weekend, and it's come out that. The UFC, they've got an absolute stockpile of coronavirus tests for their fighters. So it seems like all these uh, men and women are going to be nice and safe. But uh, the main draw is Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gagey. Am I saying that right? I think I'm saying it right. Gagey. Works for me. But you got Tony's, Tony Ferguson uh, is favored, minus 170. Gagey's sitting there at plus 145. I don't know anything about UFC. I know that Ferguson's on a big roll, so I'm going with the favorite. Give me Tony Ferguson in that matchup. Yeah, uh, right. I'm right there with you. I'm not going to try to break this down as if I have some insider knowledge. I'm going to go with the favorite. Give me Tony Ferguson at minus 170. I'll tell you guys, if I don't have a tie to either one of the fighters, okay, Give me some odds. I want to root for the underdog, try and make something special happen and win some money in the process. Give me the, uh, the gagey kid. Are you, or are any of us MMA guys, UFC guys? I like watching I used it. To be. Yeah. yeah. I, I was about I used to say to watch all the time. Teddy, you've got UFC fan written all over you. No offense, man. Dude, all I need is a neck tat and I'd look like a UFC fighter. Okay. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just a, a, a sharpie away. I was thinking more of the announcer. I was going to go Joe Rogan, but okay, you could be Rogan? one of the fighters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. A little Joe yeah. Rogan. Joe Rogan's jacked, bro. Yeah, he's jacked. Give me some. Give me a neck tattoo, some cauliflower ear. I'll be ready to roll. <laughs> I'll step in there and get neck tattoo by with the side of cauliflower ear. <laughs> I would get. I would get put to sleep one way or another so quickly. Oh my gosh. All right, last one for that Wet is a the Beak. Different world, my man. Uh, last one for Wet the Beak. Let's go all the way to South Korea. Yes, we're going to take some bets on some KBO baseball. And I selected this game randomly just because I like the team names. We've got the NC Dinos taking on the Samsung Lions. Now, by the time people listen to this this game will probably be close to over or over because i believe it starts at like 5 30 in the morning on thursday the dinos money line favorite minus 150 lions samsung lions sitting at plus 130 i know nothing about the kbo but i like the dinos give me the favorite i'm just going all favorites guys give me the dinos in the minus 150 i love it I don't like it. I love it. It's the year of the I'll tiger, not the lion. And clearly a dinosaur would take out a lion in a fight. So, and the fact that the dinos have started off 2-0. and oh. Give me NC for the win. Well. Or is it KBONC? What is that? Oh, KB. Okay. So the NC. Do we know what NC stands for? The NC dinos? Nope. Don't want to okay. know. Yeah. No need to know. Nope. It, mean, it stands for this game is not close because the dinos are going to kill them Uh, again if i'm watching two teams that i have no idea who they are give me the underdog plus if i'm watching on a samsung i'm rooting for a samsung okay that's a great point 
I, that's what I'm going to do. It's, I think it's the funniest thing in the world. But think about if, if you paid for the rights of a team and all of a sudden, like Samsung, you, you know, they paid for the rights for this team to be the naming rights or whatever. Little did they know that it's going to be the best advertising ever because it's, they're going to have the name of a team that's the only sport being played in the entire universe, and everyone's going to be watching it. They're getting their money's worth. I can only imagine how many people are betting on the KBO right now. It is live sports, and I know ESPN, they're doing, what, six games a week, and they're replaying all of them, and the live ones are in, like, the middle of the night, which is kind of fun, but – it's still live sports, and I guarantee you one thing: Major League Baseball is keeping an eye on it and seeing how it's going. They're they're going to learn everything they can from that league over in South Korea, and I I think it's supposed to be some pretty quality baseball. All right, guys, let's move on to our next segment: uh, our winners and losers of this week. This is kind of one of my favorite things to do because we get to find some goofy shit that has gone on around the country, or around the world. Teddy, who you got for your winner and loser of this week? Okay, so for my winner, you guys are probably going to laugh at this, but and this may have been going on for five years. I have no idea. But I recently stumbled upon something. My wife just happened to bring these home. Have you guys seen these? Lucky Charms cereal bars. What no. is the greatest thing wow. I have ever put in my mouth? Game changer ever. right there. This is fantastic. Now, uh, it tastes just like a bowl of Lucky Charms. And I pretty much go through a box of 16 every other day. So, I, I mean, it's great, but it's bad. But that has been an absolute game changer for me. So, the Lucky Charms folks out there that love the cereal, this is a game changer. You're a big winner right now. That. That's fantastic, and I must say, of all the things that are my weaknesses in life, cereal sits alone at the top. I have, uh, I mean, I, I just, I, I'm powerless against the, the forces of cereal, and there's a lot of them, but when it's at the house, and I've got three kids, so we keep a lot of cereal, it's, it's bad. I can only imagine <laughs> if I had those little tasty treats, those damn cereal bars. Wow. They're awesome. That's awesome. That's highly suggested, I, gentlemen, if impressive. you haven't tried them. I'm just assuming that people that are listening to this just stopped, got on Amazon, and ordered Lucky Charms cereal bars, and they are on their way. They're priming that stuff to their house right now. Okay, here. Breaking news. Uh, there's a shortage across the country of Lucky Charms cereal bars. Um, there's yeah. some guy right, in so Goldsby, my, Oklahoma that's been stockpiling. <laughs> um, okay, so my loser of the week is the man who tries Mike Tyson right now. Did you guys see oh. the video of him hitting that bag? Was that awesome. unbelievable? At 50-some years old, he looks like he could just knock someone's absolute head off. Unbelievable. I saw that video and was instantly terrified. Just getting punched and knocked out, definitely a fear of mine, right? <laughs> I, I don't think anyone, sure. anyone wants that in their life. And when I saw him hitting that, first of all, the guy that is training him, you know underneath that pad, bruises just everywhere, right? And That's a lot of trust in a crazy dude too, man. 
I mean, you I, never know whenever it might just snap on old uh, Mike Tyson. He'll just go, I want to see what it's like to land him. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, okay, first of all, Gabe, I can assure you, uh, taking one on the chin is not as bad as you think. There's no reason to be fearful. You will be okay. Uh, maybe not if it's Mike Tyson, but you should be. Unless you're Ted. Ted famously has always told me he has a glass jaw. I cannot confirm nor deny, but that's his claim. <laughs> I, Mike Tyson hadn't hit the mitts in 10 years. 10 years. 53? Throw them like that with that speed and power? I don't think I, – what I don't He's want to happen – He's got to have the strongest core muscles oh ever. My I God. do not want moves. those problems in my life. I, I, I have vowed to not get in a fight the rest of my entire life. There's no reason. I'm too old. I'm too old for that shit. Smart. I'm with you on that. I, I agree. Game. Totally agree. Game. I'm too old. I just. I'm out. I'm out. I. I will. We'll, we'll talk it out. We'll talk it out. We can work it out with words. It's good. It's smart. It's that's very good protocol. I. I commend you for that. All right. I'm going with my winner. Um. The big winner is the sport of baseball. Okay. Because not only. Do we actually have, as we just talked about the KBO, we've got real competitive sports on TV right now happening. That's a win, but more so the bat flips in the KBO. You know, there's few things that annoy me as much as whiny baseball guy. Don't flip the bat. It's disrespectful. Oh, my God. I'm so sick of whiny baseball guy telling me about all these Oh, I know. It's an unwritten rule. It ain't even unwritten anymore. I've heard about it my entire life. It ain't unwritten. It's there. Nobody cares, though. Nobody should care. I, I hate the way baseball ties, tries to take the fun out of the sport. Like, you know, criminal, make these guys criminals for hitting a home run and throwing a bat. Jose Bautista, baby, against my Texas Rangers, goes yard. And I thought the bat flip was awesome. I wasn't mad. I was mad that the Rangers pitcher didn't throw a better pitch. I mean, this crap with Major League Baseball. Speaking of glass jaws. Oh, you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> My boy. I drilled for it. O'Dor was, was not messing around. I, I just, so I'm happy that in the KBO, bat flipping is an art. All these guys have their own little spinoff of it. Seen, and I think it's cool. Have you seen the Twitter thread that Jeff, Passon, or however you say the the ESPN baseball guy, Jeff Passon, Passon. I yep. don't know how it goes. I'm not a big baseball guy, but have you seen the thread he put together of all the examples of bat flips in the KBO? Yeah. It's it's mesmerizing. I don't know how those guys do that so smooth. I, I will say, uh, just a side note here. A lot of those major league baseball pitchers that get so upset about the bat flip, I did notice. There were some of the same blue check marks we saw that were all upset about Adele losing her weight and uh, <laughs> you know, shaming her just, and everything. Just finding crybabies. They just cut hate from the things. same cloth. Cut from the same cloth. Uh, see, we're all winning with the bad flips in the KBO. Loser, man. This hurt me when I read this two days ago. The Chuckster, bro. Charles Barkley. Him and him and MJ got beef, man. I fell for the Chuckster. Like. I don't know everything that's going on in this relationship, but I know what Chuck's saying. I haven't heard from Jordan, but the Duke claims they were best friends for 20 years and they haven't spoken eight years now because eight years ago, Barkley goes on Chicago radio. 
I believe it was uh, Waddle and Sylvie, great show, ESPN 1000 in Chicago, and essentially just said, Michael keeps putting people, his friends and people he likes around him instead of good basketball people, and it's jeopardizing his ability to be a general manager, which is true. And so now Michael Jordan is just going to throw one of his best friends to the wayside because he did his job and did it accurately? Come on, MJ. I love you, man. You're the greatest, but that shit's weak for me, and I feel for my man Chuck. No, I I agree with that. Is it that or is it a gambling debt? It's probably a gambling debt. Or I know what golf. I, I know. I, 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 don't, I don't know how good Jordan is. You know, he's probably okay, but I know he didn't lose to Barkley. That's for sure. Um, here's what I think is interesting. Like, Chuck has always been a guy that tells you exactly like it is, right? And whenever you are as famous and as rich as Michael Jordan is, someone that'll look you in the eye and tell you the truth, even if it's, you know, has, has a chance of, of, you know, maybe burning a bridge between the two of you. That is something that you got to cherish because you can't trust anyone. Everyone wants a handout from you if you're Michael Jordan. So my hope is, even though I think it's a slim chance, my hope is that uh, whether it's Michael or Chuck, whoever, least bringing this thing to the surface and people talking about it in the documentary that maybe maybe MJ will say okay I understand what he was trying to do there Olive Branch or maybe if it's Chuck say you know I can understand his point of view from it I just hope the guys uh get that relationship back because they're two of my all-time favorites man same here and last point is I mean, you would think that after the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, you would think that if you had any meaningless, any, any, you know, any meaningless uh, grudges, you, you'd fix it. You know what I'm saying? If, if that Great tragedy point. didn't remind us that life's too short to hold on to BS baggage, I don't know what is. So hopefully, hopefully, now that it's kind of thrown out there, hopefully Michael Jordan comes to his senses and they can, uh, they can mend some old fences. Yeah. I think, I think so many people love Barkley now, and clearly, this whole the Last Dance thing has brought Jordan, you know, straight into the spotlight again. And those those guys need to make up. Come on, the the NBA needs them. The world needs those guys to be on good terms. It's just silly. Eight years, damn, brutal for something he said on the radio. That's yep. I, but I guess we've seen it in these. That's what I'm saying. And, that, and that, that's episodes. the deal. With, Jordan will find anything. And that's the thing is that, I mean, the ultimate competitor. And what else have we learned? And a guy that is, has there been anyone more brand aware and, you know, just constantly doing whatever he can to not upset that image, that logo, that brand? And so I'm guessing he looks at, uh, Chuck, one of his confidants, one of his boys, you know, accurately depicting what's wrong with his ability and upper management and ownership. And to him, I think that's somebody coming at his brand. And as we see with him, man, he is, um, he's cutthroat. You cross him, you try to challenge him, 
He wants to gut you if this thing's taught us anything. I can't wait well, I can, for the I next two episodes. That no one out there is going to say, damn, I love those new Jordans and that Jordan hoodie that just came out. But I did hear what Chuck said about him. I'm not <laughs> going to buy. I'm going to go with the Under Armour. I think yeah. the brand is safe. The brand, the brand is, uh, is strong, certainly. All right, guys. Uh, my winner of the week goes to West Virginia Governor Jim Justice for saying this. Remain at home, but no longer orders them to stay at home. Again, I encourage all businesses that are allowed to open to do so only if they can follow the guidelines to keep West Virginia safe. I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, he did issue a statement after that, very shortly after it. Saying that there was an audio glitch and that he would never and has never said fuck before, which is the most ridiculous statement of all time. Now, I'm going to give ESPN, your employer, Dusty, uh, some credit for this. I, I feel like the last dance just has everyone cussing. Like, we don't care anymore. We realize <laughs> fine. Everyone on TV should be able to do it. Everyone on radio should be able to do it. We can do it here on this podcast, and we love it. But the fact that Jim Justice laid down the law like that, just dropped an F-bomb in the press conference, that makes him my winner of the week. I thought that that was a complete power move, especially in the political world. I'll say this. Um, the, just a quick note to all the, the governors, politicians out there that are giving speeches. If you want to get your point across, it's way more effective had he just gone with the F-bomb, right? That would have been way more effective, and everyone would have been talking about it. I saw people saying, well, that's it. I'm moving to West Virginia. Pretty funny. <laughs> so, Jim Justice, do you, uh, do you boys know he's worth $1.9 billion with a B? I mean, if you're living in West Virginia and you're worth almost $2 billion, you can and should be able to drop as many F-bombs as you want you and shouldn't care about it. Ever you want. I, why did he, I why did he retract it? I, that's I don't a, know. That, I mean, just stand by it, Jim. Shit, you're a billionaire. Let's go. What that, are you messing around you for? You don't have to retract it. You don't have to confirm it, but you right. don't have to retract it. Right. Yeah. Here's the other. Let me just, I'll guarantee you guys one thing. If I ever have $2 billion, the last <laughs> place you ever have to look for me is West Virginia. Okay. And I especially will not be working with the government in West Virginia. Yeah. All right, guys. My, my loser of the week, it goes to, it goes to Texas and Texas A&M. They're, they're at it again. Uh, athletic director Ross Bork there for A&M says, hey, we've moved on. Chris Del Conte throws a little jab in there that he says wasn't a jab that they would like to play teams that have won a national championship in the modern era of college football in the non-conference. I, I don't understand. Maybe it'll happen once the college football playoff expands. It should happen. I get that some feelings got hurt when – the whole thing split up and Texas got the Longhorn Network. And I, I understand there's bad blood there, but just just play the damn game, guys. Stop making excuses. Just play the game. The players would want it. The fans want it. I just I, – I don't get it. They continue 
to be losers when it comes to playing a rivalry game that should be played? Yeah, listen, I, I think that we're all the losers uh, because we want to see we want to see rivalries, man. We want to see those games played in college football. Um, I just think clearly Texas University and Texas A&M University don't. And I think it's pretty simple why. Because that's a loss for one of them. And they're looking to try to – those non-conference games, I don't think that they're looking to add, uh, you know, their rival that close in a non-conference setting um, and, and, and bring up a loss. I mean, look, we've seen the willingness to schedule and schedule good teams. I don't know. For whatever reason, they don't want to do it there within that state. I don't think it happens anytime soon. So, I, I don't think – I mean, these guys aren't budget. I don't, I don't think this – I, I uh, just – the part, that really, the part that really bothers me is both schools take the, oh, that's beneath us stance. And when you look at football, Texas has one double-digit winning season in the last decade. Mm -hmm. Texas A&M has one double-digit winning season in the last 20 years. Neither of them are too good for the other one. Don't use that as an excuse. It's not there. Just figure out how to play the game. I'll tell you. Down as, the line, uh, if anything. I, I mean, I'd love yeah. to see it happen, Gabe. I'm with you. I just I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think it's going to happen either. Here's the thing. As sports fans, there is nothing worse. And there's nothing that makes people lose respect for you more than whenever you dodge somebody. And let's be, awesome. let's be honest with what's going on. They're both dodging each other. There's too yes. much to lose if you lose the game, right? right. Recruiting, who's, who's got the stranglehold on the state, all these different things. There's too much to lose for them. That is the single worst way to approach sports ever. It's trash. It's crap. Um, they're fan bases, okay? the fan bases should hold them accountable, right? There's, there's no way those two fan bases should be okay with dodging the other team. They should be salivating to go pummel them and prove why they're so much better. It's the, it's the biggest pile of crap I've ever seen in what's supposed to be the heartland of football, of college football, of high school football, the state of Texas, you got the two biggest institutions dodging each other. It's pathetic. Yeah. That is not a it, shot, Dusty. I know you're from I was Texas. about to say, the way you said that, <laughs> I, I, he didn't say, I he didn't insult like Dallas. Calm down. I, just calm I down. Just, I just wanted to point out a couple things. By far, did have the most drafted players, I think by like double digits, by like 10 this year. Um, and I would also just say, let's not act like, that state has not been one of the great lifebloods of Oklahoma football over the years. And without the state of Texas, oh, yeah, they're all leaving the high for, school a, players. for a team that doesn't dodge uh, everyone else. Hey, I, you ain't got to tell me I did it. I know. I saw. Right. Uh, we all I, did I, it. I saw the light, man. I crossed that Red River. I know. I, I'm, I'm smarter now. Uh, I can see clearly now the Texas rain is gone, Ted. I'm just saying, let's <laughs> let's not kill those high school players there too much. They are pretty important to what goes on around here. All right, guys, let's finish this off by highlighting what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. We call this segment Keeping It Local. Now, there's a couple stories that I was picking from 
and there was a big one. It was about Kong's Tavern in Oklahoma City. The place was bumping on Cinco de Mayo, but I, d- I really don't want to get I we, We've been over this several times. People, just be smart. Take care of each other. Do the smart thing. How about a little local flavor for sports? Because today it was announced that OU and Arkansas are going to play a series in basketball in Tulsa, which I think is a great idea. I've never understood why OU and Arkansas, maybe not rivals, but why they don't play more often in several sports. I mean, they're right there. They're our neighbors. We're touching. I've never understood why it doesn't happen more often. And I'm also really excited because I think this is a smart play by Joe Castiglione and the leadership at Oklahoma to get those OU fans in Tulsa more involved. Let's be honest. They haven't been drawing very well at Lloyd Noble there in Norman. So why not go play a couple games in Oklahoma City, a couple games in Tulsa? And with all the Arkansas alums that live in Tulsa, this should be a hell of a crowd. It should be a great atmosphere, guys. It is. It's a great idea. I like it. Um, Arkansas basketball seems to be headed in the right direction. New coach that they have. They seem that program seems to be on the up and up. I'm with you on the Tulsa thing. And I also say, you know, if Thunder fans like you, Gabe, would would stop constantly going to Thunder contests instead of Oklahoma games, maybe we could start to fill up those games in Norman and potentially right. in Tulsa. That's a shot across the bow at you. That's fine. I, Great point. They're not my seats. <laughs> I'm, I'm simply still- a tag along at the Thunder Games. Guys, that's, that's not my choice, you know? Uh, I'm at my wife's mercy. You know that. You know how this works. Yep. She, she, keeps, uh, she keeps all of you in her purse. I know, Gabe. You don't have to tell us. We're oh, well aware. There's no doubt. I, what do you say? This. You're smart, man. That- You're smart, man. I think the series is great. I think it's uh, I think it's awesome awesome to play Arkansas more. Basketball program is on the come up. Obviously, uh, a really good baseball program. Um, but I, I think the BOK Center is also really nice too. I've been to a concert there here recently. It was awesome. Really cool. That downtown Tulsa area immediately around the the arena is really cool. That's had a, a nice resurgence. Bunch of bars and restaurants. So I'm 100 percent on board. I love it. All right, guys, let's get to a couple Twitter questions from some listeners. Uh, Remember, if you want us to answer your question, DM us on the show Twitter, which is at OK underscore breakdown, and we'll answer. We're going to do this every show during Keeping It Local. So this one comes from John John Rodriguez at Hamburglar Helper is his tag, which is (laughs) well done. He says, non-sports question. What is the largest animal you could realistically fight off and kill barehanded? (laughs) I feel like this is a – this might go back to uh, an old um, bet that I made back in the Bears. It's continued on with Ted at Sports Talk, and it's made its way – to the uh, sports animal, uh, 98.1 WWLS, 11 to 2. <clears throat> that is the Monsters <laughs> of the Midday. I've, so this is, I'm going to say um, a mountain lion. Um, and this is, here's, 
here's the parameters, okay? Now, this can't be some, like, crazy, massive mountain lion, but like a typical mountain lion. I've always said this. I had a bet going in Chicago uh, with a couple of my teammates, and somehow it got brought up. Could you survive a mountain lion attack if you had a stick and a rock as your weapons? So you said bare hands. I do get – and when I say stick, I'm thinking a spear, damn it. I'm not thinking some twig. I'm talking about something that I can jam into this mountain lion's neck, okay? And, and let I've me guess, the rock said, is shaped like a pistol and shoots 9-millimeter rounds. <laughs> no, I don't need to. So okay. I'm going, I'm going medium-sized mountain lion. I'm walking away. That's me, Gabe. I, oh, I feel man. relatively confident. I could take a medium-sized wolf. I think it's very similar to the mountain lion category, but maybe one of those scrawnier wolves that looks like it maybe hasn't gotten a kill in a while, hadn't eaten maybe in a week or so, so I can get it. Maybe it comes after me under those circumstances. I feel like I could take a wolf. Now, that being said, I've never encountered a wolf in the wild. I'm not an outdoorsman. I don't pretend to be one. But I feel relatively confident a scrawny wolf. Maybe I'll throw that qualifier in there. It would have to be a scrawny wolf for me. <laughs> I, I feel pretty confident that I could bare hands, I don't need a stick or a rock, take a, uh, a full-size male polar bear, um, <laughs> most dangerous animal on earth. I'd have the exact same chances <laughs> against that polar bear as Dusty would against that mountain lion. The mountain lion would rip his throat out and dine on his corpse for the next week, okay? And the fight would last all of about seven to uh. nine seconds. The only question is how long would it take for you to suffocate as its th his, his jaws are wrapped around your throat? That's the only question. There's been many um, mountain lion encounters in the last several years that have been well-documented, and I've seen far more mountain lions that haven't made it to the end of the altercation than I have human beings. So that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Here, let me – we've all seen this recently. Okay. And I know there's, there's a slight difference in size, but it's kind of the same thing. Do you remember the chick in Tiger King that had her arm bitten off by the tiger? It's the, the same thing would happen to you. The same thing. Like, what's the plan? Like, are you going to throw a punch? What happens no. if you punch it and you don't knock it out? I mean, wh what's the play here? Again, I've got, I've got the spear. <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, I don't know, Ted. I mean, listen. I don't have it all mapped out, okay? Adrenaline, this is me Eddie. fighting Adrenaline. for my life. This is survival. I, it sounds like you think I'm just going to lay there and let this damn thing just slice my throat open and bleed me to death while getting on top of me and suffocating me. I mean, I, again, I just think you're underestimating the human race when they're back against the wall, they're literally in a quarter, and it's it's – it's fight or flight, baby. I'm going to live or I'm going to die. I'm just telling you, I'm walking away from that damn fight. It's going to happen. The only thing you've got going for you is at least you're big enough to where the mountain lion's not going to drag you by your throat up the tree and eat you in the tree. 
too heavy. He's going to eat you on the ground underneath the tree. So that is a bonus. <laughs> At least my family can find my carcass. That's just able, saying. Be able to identify the body. Uh, all right, guys. One more. Uh, this comes from Vinay Shroff at Shroff underscore Vinay on Twitter. And this is an interesting question. Do you think adjustments to the upcoming name, image, and likeness rules might entice college coaches to consider the pros more on down the road? Um, yeah, I think uh, potentially, possibly. Um, I think a lot of college coaches, truth be told, would rather be in the NFL. Not all of them, not all, but the book. And I, you know, again, different strokes, different folks. Some people embrace the aspect of recruiting. Some people loathe it. Okay. The NFL, those coaches, not only are they well compensated, but it's just football. It ain't all the BS, all the other stuff college coaches have to deal with. Okay. So I would say recruiting more so, but I, you can couple that with name, image, likeness. Maybe that's just another, uh, you know, that's just something else to stack on top of what has become all the duties that these college coaches have. So I don't think it would solely be just that. I think that would just be another added task, duty, whatever the hell you want to call it, that you would now have to put on a college coach's plate to deal with. Whereas in the NFL, Ted, as you know very well, like I'm talking about, they don't have to deal with any of that other BS. No, I, I, think, I think the NFL is the ultimate goal for the football guys, right? Because in the NFL, and I know every roster is not created exactly equal in the NFL, but it's a heck of a lot more equal than it is in college football. That's the way the draft is set up the way it is, the way free agency is set up the way it is. Um, um, you know, you're able to um, franchise players and such to keep those rosters uh, pretty competitive. In college, you can be the smartest coach in the country. You can have the best scheme, the best system in the country. But let's be honest, everything's not in the up and up in the college world, right? And uh, the, your school matters. Your conference matters. There's so much more involved with, with being able to win a championship. We've got 100, about 30 Division One teams, and there's only about 10 to 12 on a given year, and that may be generous that have an honest chance to win a national championship. So a lot of people consider the football guys consider the NFL to be the pinnacle, to be the ultimate, but here's the problem. 32 NFL head coaching jobs, right? And they don't just – like they turn over quite a bit. We know that, but, I mean, we just don't see a whole lot of, of college guys making the jump. You have to be typically the elite of the elite in college football to get the nod at the next level. So they may think about it. They may want to do it. And this may bring a whole new headache that makes them think about it a whole lot more. But, I mean, would you rather be a head coach in college football making three, four, five million bucks or go to the NFL and have to start over as a coordinator? Yeah, I, th I think it all has to do with the stability you have. I think that's what a lot of coaches chase is that stability. And I think that's why you see so many college coaching lifers because it's not as cutthroat as the NFL. Is it still big business? And did we still see Willie Taggart get fired last year? Yeah. Like, no, it's, it's certainly extremely competitive in a results driven business, but 
there's more opportunities in college just from a sheer numbers perspective. And a lot of people think that coaches want to go to the NFL because it's just football all the time. And that's true. And you do get some time off because there is an off season. Unlike when you're a college coach now, and it seems like it's almost 365 days a year of recruiting if you're not practicing and playing games. But one thing that people don't realize or may not understand is the amount of control you have as a college coach versus the amount of control that you have as an NFL coach. A lot of college coaches don't want to give up that control that they have in their program because the best NFL teams are run by the players. They are. Now, of course, the coaches are still doing their jobs, stuff like that, but there's a lot of guys in the room that are making more money than you when you're an NFL coach. So uh, there's just a ton of factors. I think the name, image, and likeness thing, it's going to be another annoying thing for college football coaches to deal with. But once again, they're not supposed to be involved with any of that stuff. Now, if they're starting quarterback gets arrested because he didn't pay his taxes, then I think it becomes his problem. But we, we haven't seen that play out yet, Dusty. So a so couple, couple things on this, and, and you're right. They're, they're completely different. Um, and I think that, like at Oklahoma, what Bob Stoops had going, what we see up the road in Stillwater with Mike Gundy, I mean, we don't always – I mean, those are rare, right? Bob was one of the most tenured coaches in the country. Um, now Mike is one of the most tenured coaches in the country. And clearly it feels Lincoln Riley – uh, from a stability standpoint, like you said, he ain't got nothing to worry about, right? He, he's, he's cool, man. He's chilling. He ain't got no pressure on him. So the, the, there is a reality of that. But those are – that's not commonplace throughout all of college football. I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, we could go down a lot of different uh, – co- not just head coaches, but coordinators, position coaches. There is a What's ton of turnover. There's a ton of turnover in college football. I mean, a ton every single year. So I, I don't want to act as if, like, Oklahoma is, is the exception, not the rule. Like, most coaches don't stay at places. It happens at some unique programs, but for the most part in college football, that's not the case. It's a cutthroat business, too. The NFL is definitely more so of a cutthroat business. I just think that it, it just it's where you at, right? If you've got stability, if you've got security – that's enticing and makes you want to stay. So depending on where you are, you may have wanted to go to the NFL, but you're just in such a good situation, it'd be foolish of you to walk away from that. So not every situation is created equal in college. And I think especially at a place like uh, Oklahoma, uh, it's, it's a unique spot. And if you do a good job, you're going to probably be able to stay for as long as you want. Um, and and I, also, I also think that with the NFL, um, you – you, you know, well, the, the negative would be you don't get to pick your players. College, you get to pick and recruit the players that you're going to coach. Whereas, to your point with control, Gabe, um, you got some general manager, somebody that you don't even speak to very often, who's picking the players that are going to be in your room that you are going to not go out and try to coach and continue to develop. So they're completely different. I can draw positives and negatives from each. Uh, and that's why I said to the very beginning, different strokes for different folks. And it's why I never thought Lincoln Riley was going to leave Oklahoma. 
because he's 36. He's got stability like you can't imagine. Uh, and he's roll. He embraces recruiting like he. That's not something he looks at as a hardship or something that's an annoyance to him. I think he loves it, and I think he embraces it and enjoys it. And as long as you have that passion for it, to me, it's a no-brainer. It makes way more sense to stay in college than go to the NFL. Well, hell, you may be out of a job in three years, but um, that's what makes I think this in particular and Lincoln Riley in that spot. Uh, very unique aspect because not all places are like Oklahoma and not all setups uh, allow for the type of security that a lot of the coaches have been able to enjoy here over the last several decades. I just got two quick things on that. Um, there's, there's like five schools that get to pick their players. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, uh, and uh, maybe you can throw another one in there everyone else kind of gets to pick through the rest of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you're at, if you're at like Iowa state, I mean, you get to pick your players to a certain degree, but you're picking from the scrap heap compared to what Alabama's <laughs> picking from. Try. So, but I will say that one of the big benefits of college football is there is a ton of opportunity for upward mobility. Like there's not in the NFL. If look at Lincoln Riley, he was a what a a GA, then wide receiver coach, then coordinator at Tech for a, a brief stint. Then he's at East Central. Then he's at Oklahoma. Then he's the head coach of Oklahoma. I mean, there's stories like that, you know, all over college football. Guys that started somewhere as a no one and just hit a couple of good jobs, and the next thing you know, they're the head coach of a a really nice school. So the upward mobility possibilities in college football are far better than they are in the NFL. And I know there's been some young coaches that have really skyrocketed in the NFL, but it's, it's really hard to ascend to that ultimate because there's only 32 of them. And once you get your shot, if you don't hit it out of the park, you may not get a shot again. So in college, you get to work your way up through the lower ranks, uh, get a non-power five, then get a, a decent job as a mid-tier Power 5 school. If you win there, have a 10-win season, who knows, maybe you get a, a top 10 blue blood program at some point. So I think the upward mobility is definitely something in college football that's a plus. Or you just do it completely backwards like uh, old Lane Kiffin did. All right, boys, episode five in the books. Uh, just a reminder to all the listeners, Sunday is Mother's Day. Don't forget. Get your mother something nice. Do it. No excuses. We just Lord. reminded you. Do you get your lovely bride something for being mother of your dogs? I, I do. I do. I get her a for Mother's Day gift. Um, I will not disclose what that will be this year. I think you can imagine. But <laughs> we'll have another show that will drop Monday morning. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Dusty from 11 to 2 on WWLS, The Sports Animal. You can watch him on ESPN and News 9. You can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. And you can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. 
for just one more 